Welcome to Once and Future Authors, Changing Lives One Book at a Time. I'm Stephanie Larkin, an author, independent publisher, and book coach. And each week we will be discussing processes and strategies to get your book finished and published and meet authors and publishing experts to tap into their experiences and expertise. There is one book out there that can change your life, and that is the book you write. So welcome aboard. This podcast is produced by Red Penguin Books, an independent publishing company working with authors of all genres. Whether you have a manuscript all ready to go, a book still stuck in your head, or perhaps even hundreds of handwritten sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, visit redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Once and Future Authors podcast. I'm Stephanie, and I'm so delighted to be joined today by author Wendy Beasley. Wendy's book, Beasts and Butterflies, I'll read you a little bit off the back. Raped and pregnant at 13, Rachel is forced by her uncaring adoptive parents to leave the picturesque village where she had grown up. Years later, she's given the opportunity to go back with her son. But can she face old friends, her inner demons, and the rapist? And if so, will it destroy her completely, or can she finally find the love and closure she craves? Beasts and Butterflies by Wendy Beasley. I'm so delighted that Wendy's here to join me today. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for asking me. It's lovely to be talking to you. Oh, absolutely. And I, I'm always loving speaking with anyone who has that lovely accent of yours. <laughs> <laughs> As a New Yorker, I love to hear that, uh, that British lilt coming through. <laughs> I'll do my best not to disappoint. <laughs> well, I'm not worried about that at all. So, tell me a little bit before we get into Beasts and Butterflies about you and your writing. When did you get started writing? Well, um, it, it's been a long journey. Um, I've written nonfiction for many years. I've written articles, um, a weekly column in a national magazine, um, and two nonfiction books. Um, so I've been writing a while, but I'd never considered fiction. I, I'd never really gone down that route at all. And then um, I wrote a story for my granddaughter who was moved and she was frightened of the new house and I needed to put her at ease. So I wrote her a fairy story. Well, that granddaughter is now 24. <laughs> uh, and I picked up the book uh, about two years ago and thought, I wonder if this could be published. So I sent it off to various publishers, tidied it up and sent it off. And it was accepted, which amazed me. Um, it was accepted for publication, and uh, and that was the beginning. So Charlotte and the Fairies came out uh, last July, and I was thrilled to bits. But in the meantime, over nearly as long a period, I've been playing with Beasts and Butterflies. It didn't have a title, but it was a story that was in my head, and it was growing. And I was still working in those days full time. So it, it got shelved a lot and bits and pieces. Anyway, after having Charlotte and the Fairies accepted, I thought, well, let's go with this and see where it goes. I'd finished it. 
not quite so easy. Um, lots of rejections, lots of offers of shared contracts. And in the end, that's the way I went with it because I was I had so much faith in it. I really wanted it to get out there. So I went for a shared contract and and it came out last November. Um, but to be fair, I'm I'm thrilled to bits. The the reviews have been great. Everybody who's read it has, you know, really enjoyed it. And I I know I will get bad reviews and I will get people who aren't so complimentary, but so far they haven't come my way and I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> oh, thrilled. And, and I'm so glad that you um you recognize that yes, you will get bad reviews. It happens. You almost yep. Go into it knowing that and good for you you know you're kind of prepared uh there's a story about stephen king when he first started writing and he was up in his, his garret where he would write and when the first rejection letter came he had a nail already there on the the, the, the beam and he just stuck it on the nail <laughs> he was ready he was ready for yes. it and eventually he had so many rejections that instead of the nail he had to get a larger stake to <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, one that's really that's really encouraging, isn't it? Stephen King. Stephen King had a stake in the attic to hold all the rejection letters. <laughs> we are in very, very good company. That's yeah. <laughs> well. Congratulations on the first fairy book and Beasts and Butterflies is quite a book. You were just how did the story appear in your head? Was it inspired by something you had heard or something you knew in real life or perhaps people you know? I'd love to I'd love to be able to come up with a really clever answer, but no, it grew from an idea. Um and I do tend to write, I, I'm, I, that's how I write. I get an idea and I run with it. And I've, I often say, I have no idea how it's gonna end or where it's gonna go. And it just develops as I go along. And that's how this worked. And it's, it comes to me as what if, and would she do this? And how would that happen? So the original idea was, just something that entered my head and then I just ran with it I just let it go where it wanted to go and I had no idea what would happen until it happened it's like reading really only more exciting because <laughs> I don't know how it's going to end either <laughs> I, I love that image of, of you you know wow look where this is going yes that's how it is and I, I've written another book which is at the moment with publishers trying to get a, a deal on it and um, and it was the same thing it's a completely different book but just as dark and probably just as hard hitting and I started that without an idea at all um, except that I was going to set it in Brighton which is where I was born and I, I thought oh I'll set it there and and it's I've run with it and I've now completed it and it's 70,000 words and I'm thrilled to bits with it and I can't wait to get it out there but I had no idea where it was going when I started. <laughs> wow a whole lot of listeners right now are so envious <laughs> you can sit there with the, the only idea being the setting in Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> well I don't I've never struggled to write I, I'm I've never struggled in, I've been very lucky. I don't get a blank page. I don't sit, I, but I am guilty of probably writing too much 
And <laughs> I think it, since Charlotte and the Fairies, I've written two more children's books and one more adult book and I'm on another adult book and we're only talking a year. So I, <laughs> I'm probably... Lockdown. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably too prolific in that respect, and I'm sure publishers don't want to hear from me that many times. But um, <laughs> there is a word for too prolific. That's. <laughs> but I am, um, you know, I'm really enjoying it, and and I can I can have two books on the go at once, and I find that quite quite exciting because I think oh I don't really know what's happening there so I'll do this one and it works like that for me. <laughs> now are there any uh, decisions that you made with much more thoughtfully than letting them evolve for example in, in Beasts and Butterflies Rachel's name or any of the other names or any things like do you, do you think about certain things like that for meaning or do you just Rachel? I, I like I, that. Well I I come up with the character mm -hmm. and then try and find a name that suits them. Okay. I, I'm very, I'm very aware of timing because um, Beasts and Butterflies started in the 60s. So we didn't want really modern names um, and nor really old fashioned names. So I thought I, I knew what Rachel looked like. I knew how she thought. I knew who she was before I named her. Mm -hmm. um, Less important characters, I just come up with the name of the time, and the, you know, that would suit the time. But my main characters are usually names I like myself very much and also I think suit them. Um, and in my next book, um, the name's Lydia. I've never known anyone called Lydia, but I love the name and it suited this character. So I think that's how I, um, I get it. And ideas come to me in strange places. I, I could be walking the dogs. Um, very often when I first wake in the morning, something comes into my head. In the bath, there's another place. <laughs> I, but they, they enter my head at strange times and I think, oh yes, that could happen or maybe that would happen. And sometimes I scrap them and think, no, that doesn't work. But <laughs> <laughs> I do love the way you described um, getting to know your character first before naming. Kind of like if you met a new person and, and for whatever reason did not know what their name was and then getting to know them and then thinking, I wonder, I bet their name is. Yeah, it is like that. It's very similar to that. It's very much a case of writing because Beasts and Butterflies was written in the first person. So I didn't really need a name. It, you know, I was writing, it was me sort of thing, but I was Rachel. And it suddenly occurred to me, oh, she'll need a name. And, but I knew Rachel far better than her name, <laughs> which came afterwards. Very nice. Now, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, you said uh, you were writing in the first person. So in a sense, you were Rachel. Um, all, all books, fiction, nonfiction, have pieces of the author in there. Is yes. A lot like you or, you know, what, what part? Well, I think what I try and do is do it the other way. I don't make the character like me. I try to be the character. It's a different way of looking at it. So I think of how I want them to be and then think, if that was me, what would I do? How would I feel? What so I'm bringing my own feelings in. I'm bringing my own that side of me, but it's not 
it's not personal experience and it's not really me. It's just what would I do in this situation? So that's how it works, really. Right, right. But not not inspired by uh, your own personality or someone that you know. No, although you will find in my books, as you have done in that one, there's always a dog. <laughs> there's always something going on with a dog. And uh, so that that's an awful lot of me because that's my other passion. So there obviously is a lot of me in there. And the writing the in the first person, when I started Beasts and Butterflies, I didn't. I wrote it in the third person and I wrote of her. Um, then I changed it. Then I changed it back. And in the end, the only way I could write that was by being Rachel. I could only do it by trying to fill her shoes. And that's why that's written like that. Interesting that you started it in a different way and then changed yeah, it. Yeah, and change it. I often do. Um, I often go back and change. I, I, the book I'm writing at the moment, which is really quite new, I'm only sort of a 10,000 words into it. I've changed several times and it's nothing like the original idea. It's branched off quite diversely. You've got to start somewhere, haven't you? <laughs> this is very true. This is very true. And and super encouraging. You know, one one thing I always like is when authors that I'm speaking with, like yourself, um, are giving words of whether they're advice or encouragement to other writers. And without even meaning to, you're giving a huge check mark of permission right now. Um, <laughs> yes. off your pen or off your fingers the very first time, you don't have to stick with that. No, not I, indeed. <laughs> you know, sometimes I, I get the feeling that people think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm 20,000 words in, I'm not really feeling it anymore, but I guess I have to stick it out. And you're kind of saying no. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I think if you ever get to a point when you're stuck, then maybe you haven't, you shouldn't be at that point. Maybe you've got to go back and see what brought you to the point where you got stuck. And I had a completely different idea of how this current book was going to go than the way it is going. But when I have a new idea, it's really exciting. I, you know, it really is. And I'm very lucky. I, I can talk to my husband and, and say, I've changed this to that, you know, what do you think? And he'll give an opinion. And he is very good. I'll read bits to him. And he said, but would that happen? Or, or do you think she would do that? And it pulls me up and makes me think, no, you're probably right. But, you know, so I give him a lot of <laughs> uh, credit for, for where I end up. Well, I'm delighted to hear this. I, I was speaking with an author a few weeks ago and I said, uh, uh, has your husband read your books? And she admitted, Nope, not a one. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine doesn't have any choice. I read them to him. Because <laughs> I I when I read, you hear it yourself, don't you? Much yes, better no, it's great it's to read it out loud. Reading it quietly. If you read it out loud, you, you get a better understanding. So whenever he sort of comes in the office, I say, listen to this. <laughs> and, he, and he has no choice. Um, so, and he'll say, yeah, that's good. Or I like that. Or do you think that this would happen like that and and that's invaluable you really need that voice to Absolutely. say to question 
And I'm so glad you spoke about reading it out loud, even without your incredibly helpful husband there, just the act of reading it out loud, hearing it back. Yes. Uh, well, for one thing, it is the number one way to self-edit because you will clean up your grammar like nobody's business. Absolutely. And punctuate because my worst thing, I have to admit, I left school at 15. I had no qualifications. I haven't been to university. I've never had any tuition in writing. And my my punctuation is my weak point. And oh. I go through and when I read it, I think, hang on, I need a breath there. <laughs> so if you read it out loud, you do do that. <laughs> Wow, I am so impressed. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Gosh, I had no idea. That's unbelievably impressive. And not only that you are doing all of this writing um, with, you know, none of the advantages of higher education, but that you also sense when you need to fix something so well. Yeah, well, I, I, I loved English at school and I was very into writing at school you know I'd have gone to school and had English all day if it was ah. down to me um, and as I say because of my hobby of dogs and dog training and working dogs I got into writing about dogs and produced two books on training and working dogs and so I sort of forced myself to learn how to punctuate and to learn. Well, my grammar's always been okay, but punctuation's been dreadful. So, I, and I do have a very, very good friend who is very pedantic. And when I finished a book, she kindly reads it and, and adds things like semicolons, which I never even used before, but, you know, <laughs> and, and she says, I think, you know, you need this. So punctuation wise, I have read it out loud and I have my friend June who goes through it. <laughs> Fantastic, fantastic. Good for you to use your, your friend June, your husband, reading it out loud. You're using all the tools available to you. I can't tell you what an encouragement you are for all of our writer listeners out there. Uh, you know, you're doing it. Look at it. Look at all this stuff you're doing. It. You're making it work. Uh, I'm a dog lover too, so I'm going to have to tell me a little bit about the dogs. Right. Well, <laughs> I have border collies. Uh, I've had uh, over 50 years of breeding, working and training Border Collies. I, without boasting, have been very successful at my sport. I've made champions up working them. Um, and it's been my passion throughout all of my life. And I still breed them, work them, train them. Um, and as I say, that got me into my writing, really, because people actually wanted to hear what I had to say. So it worked and I don't know it used to have dog world in the states it's a, a quite a well respected and I wrote a magazine I uh, wrote a column in that every week on working trials oh so my. um as I say in Charlotte and the fairies there was a border collie and in beasts and butterflies there is a border collie but I have promised there won't be one in every book <laughs> right ahead if you want to have a border <laughs> I have many authors who have cats in every yeah. book. And uh, I, I was so amazed to find out that here in the States, there is actually a cat writers organization. Oh, All of those who write with cats, they, they were even having a national convention and they all wear cat ears. On <laughs> and, uh, and I think- I, I might draw the line at that. <laughs> 
there's no dog writers association over there. No, apparently not. <laughs> We're obviously missing a trick. <laughs> I don't know if cats are more literary, but <laughs> <laughs> I do find that most people, a lot of authors, when they come onto Instagram and things, they all do seem to have cats. I've got cats, but they're just cats. <laughs> you know, they're lovely. We love them, but they're just cats. <laughs> Not like the dogs that I actually have a, you know, a, a relationship with. <laughs> I know, I, I get that. I, I have uh, I have dogs and cats, yeah. and uh, I'm, I'm listening to you with your training. I have about the most untrained little dog. <laughs> <laughs> what have you got? I have a little white Havanese. But right. Oh, I know Havanese. Yeah, well, she's the runt of the litter. She's only five pounds. Right, tiny, yes. We just, we just, now she's older. She's 14. So um, at this point, she doesn't even walk. We just carry her everywhere. <laughs> Very different well, working the dog. Book I've, the book I've got out at the moment, trying to get a literary agent, trying to get a publisher, and I'm shoving it out there to everybody, is called Angel. And you'll be the first person to know that Angel is a little white dog, quite like a Havanese. Really? <laughs> but uh, it's not what the book's about. It's just, it's just the title. But well, we, we, we call, I, our dog's name is Shamrock, but she is our angel. That's for sure. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Absolutely is our angel. Well, certainly when that book comes out, you're going to have to join me back here on the show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But 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 I'm amazed you're writing about a little white dog and not another porter collie. <laughs> well, there's a reason for that, and and it's tied up with the title, so <laughs> there's a way to see. <laughs> <laughs> they might be beautiful, but they're not angels. <laughs> no, I can imagine. <laughs> now, when you start a book like Angels or Beasts and Butterflies. Um, I know Beasts and Butterflies and the other one you mentioned were, you said, rather dark. Um, was that a deliberate choice or is that just... I think this seems to be what I like to write about. I don't know why, if that says something about me. I don't intend to write shocking or dark things, but I, I think most of us have a side of, that's quite interested in the, the macabre and the dark and... And most um, Beasts and Butterflies has a murderer or a, a type of a murderer in it, and this next one does as well. And I think it's a, it interests me, so I expect it will interest other people. So um, yes, I, I think I think I like it. That's why I write about it. I, I don't like bland stories that just trickle along. I like a bit of a bite to it. Yes, right. And I read books like that. So. <laughs> You're so bubbly and you train dogs. I would never think that. But uh, <laughs> what do you like to read? Well, I'm very strange, really. I have quite an eclectic mix. I, I read a lot of T.J. Green. She's the Whitehaven Witches, and I love the witch stories. But contrary to that, I re um, read uh, the Dr. Ruth Galloway mysteries, um, Ellie oh, Griffiths, and uh, that's a series. I do quite like series. I do quite like books that I can pick up the second or third and I know the characters and I, I know the style. Um, but I'd never, I've never written a series or even attempted to, but um, 
I'm still, I'm actually crazy on Harry Potter, which is a bit of an admission. So I should have, <laughs> I've moved on from wizards to witches. <laughs> and uh, the Dr. Ruth Galloway is, um, she's a pathologist. So that could be in feeding into my dark side. So, so quite a mixture. Yes, absolutely. And who knows, maybe one of your books, you'll realize that you got to the end and those characters are- There's more, yes. I do think that's a great possibility that it, it will come to a point when I think I can do more with this. I, I try to avoid uh, sort of detective type murders because I don't know enough about how detectives solve crimes. And I think it's nothing worse than an amateur trying to pretend they know, and I don't. So I sort of don't go down that route. And the other thing I'm a little bit, people say remiss in is that I don't write, as you will have discovered, with long descriptive chapters on the birds and the bees and the, the sparkling trees. You know, I, I just, because I skip them when I'm reading. When I read, and there's a great big thing telling me how the, the moon is sparkling on the water, I skip it, you know, I, <laughs> I don't care. And, and so I'm a little guilty of moving the story along without setting the scene. But I, I really believe readers should set their own scene. I think if you ask two people who've read a book, they'll have different ideas of what, it, what the setting's like, what, you know, they'll see it from their own point of view. And I think to a certain extent, you should leave the reader to, to fill in the gaps because that's the pleasure of reading. I love that. I love When that. I was a little girl, my mum used to read, my mum used to read uh, fairy stories to me, naughty books and fairy stories. And, <laughs> and she did all the voices and she was, you know, a real actress. She did, she just would do all the voices. And rather than show me the pictures, she'd read the book and the pictures would come into my head. And I think that's powerful. I think let people make their own pictures. Absolutely. <laughs> that's one of the reasons why in general, um, and, and while the Harry Potter movies were just terrific, uh, the books are better. Yes. General, yes, because you had your own idea, didn't you? Exactly. I mean, they did a spectacular job. Yes. <laughs> and getting to see, wow, what Hogwarts looks like. Yeah. But it was actually, when it was in your mind, it was probably even more fantastic. More magical, yes, absolutely. And it was yours, it wasn't yes. direct. It wasn't anybody else's, no. <laughs> right, but I, I, I did find it interesting that you, you skip writing the parts that you skip reading. And, you know, don't apologize for that. Absolutely don't apologize for that. You should write the book you want to read. Yeah. And if you don't want to read it, you know. Why would I write it? Yes. You're not alone out there. I'm sure there are other people who just skip that part too. <laughs> I, I'm very much into the proceedings, you know, what happens next. And I like to keep it exciting and keep you on your edge of your seat and thinking what might happen and certainly with, with Angel that I've just finished I believe people will be white knuckled um, <laughs> but I don't want to break that off by saying what, what the weather's like you know I, <laughs> unless it's relevant I don't care. <laughs> 
Exactly. No, I think that that's, I, like I said to you earlier, you are giving a whole lot of people a whole lot of permission here. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, sometimes I think when people suffer from writer's block or such, it's because of a lot of pressure and preconceived notions that people put upon themselves. But uh, Wendy is here to tell you, nope, nope, don't have to Write do what that. you like. <laughs> Write what you like, read it back out loud. You yeah. don't need advanced degrees to be doing this. No, no. And I think I should say though, to qualify all this, I'm not a successful author. This is my first book. And, and it's not really, unless I can get it out there and promote it and market it, it's probably not going anywhere. <laughs> successful author and the fact is um, they say in polls that 90% of the population wants to write a book yes I think that's probably true and you have you yeah. have several books you have published you are sitting here with fabulous reviews on this you've got two more in the docket don't you let anyone tell you that you are not <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> I don't know you're a successful author, but if 90% of the population wants to write a book and only like a half of a percent actually do, you are the person that people say, wow, I want to, I want to do that. So that's great. I hope so. It's really good. Oh, and I'm very, um, probably not going to be very popular for saying this, but I, for me, I don't like self-publication. I, I really need the endorsement of a publisher saying I want to do that because I feel that you'd never know if it was good enough if you just do it yourself and I, I know people do and they're very successful I'm not knocking anybody else but for me I really want a publisher to say yes we'd like your book and that's the route I chase. And you're absolutely right there are different routes I'm, I'm very grateful that there are different routes for people to take and to each their own yes. and you giving people permission with that statement of saying do what works for you, for you. yes very much so pressured to do you know i think it's wonderful i think the writer community is so supportive of each other and um you will hear lots of different options out there and that's wonderful but they're not all for you no, absolutely. And there's self-publishers out there who are bestsellers and won no end of literary prizes. Absolutely. But I think it takes a certain confidence, which perhaps I haven't got. So. After a few more books, you'll have that confidence. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to promise me that, uh, well, certainly when the book about the little white dog comes on, you're... <laughs> You'll have to promise me to join me back here on the show so that uh, our listeners can can follow along with your successful writing career. Thank you. I will. <laughs> welcome. And thank you for joining me. You've been a delight. Just uh, to remind all of our listeners, uh, Wendy Beasley, the author of Beasts and Butterflies, and so much more to come. So please make sure you grab a copy and follow her and see where she takes you next. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us for Once and Future Authors. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews help other interested listeners to find the show, so your review could launch new books every day. Thanks again for joining us. 
and happy writing.